The title of our sermon today is Gospel Warning and Invitation to the, to the Rich. There has been a popular uh, teaching called the Prosperity Gospel. And many people like to flock to those uh, churches because the preachers, the pastors are very excellent motivational speakers. But I was able to find a short description of uh, the prosperity gospel. It says, in the prosperity gospel, the believer uses God for their purposes, whereas the true gospel is just the opposite. God saves believer to accomplish his purposes. So in the prosperity gospel, the tendency is to use God for one's own end. Whereas in the gospel side, God is using us to accomplish his purpose. May I invite you to read with me uh, James chapter 5, 1 to 6. We are continuing on the letter of uh, the Apostle James. Let's begin with verse 1. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted and their rust will be witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you, cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man, and he does not resist you. So this is a very difficult message to preach. But let me begin by saying there are many advantages, of course, of becoming rich. So one of those is to see beautiful places. And when we went to uh, New Zealand, I saw that place, <laughs> that there is an exact replica of the mountain on the waters. Proverbs 10.14 says, The rich man's wealth is his fortress, whereas the ruin of the poor is their poverty. So when you are rich, you're quite stable. And when you are poor, you are vulnerable. You are even being taken advantage. In Proverbs 14.20, The poor is hated even by his neighbor. How come? I said the neighbor after some time, after the neighbor is always asking for help, asking for money, get fed up. But those who love the rich are many. When your neighbors, when your relatives hear about you having acquired wealth, they will come in and they will become friends to you. You know, I was just browsing on the richest people in the Philippines and I came across uh, a statistics in, 19, in 2016 and 2017. Do you notice anything common among the list? What do you notice? The top 10 richest people in the Philippines. Uh, There is no native Filipino there. <laughs> Eight of them are Filipino Chinese and two are mestizos. Enrique Razon Jr. and uh, Jaime Subel de Ayala. You know, for those of you who want to become rich, just uh, read on their biographies and you will learn a lot. Okay, look at their ages. You know, the oldest is uh, 95. David Konsuji. By the way, he owns DMCI. Okay. He, he just died last year. Pastor, that sermon has no relevance to me because I am not 
one of those rich people. <laughs> really? In, uh, in this article, it says, if you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, and roof overhead, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the people in the world. If you can attend a church or a synagogue meeting without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are more blessed than 3 billion people in the world. If you never experience war, loneliness of imprisonment, agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, then you are more blessed than 500 million people in the world. If you have money in the bank or even in your wallets, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. And if you wake up today, this morning, with health than illness, then you are more blessed than 100 million people who will die this week. By the way, that's the statistics. One million people die every week. Let's go to the local scene. If you are eating regularly three times, three meals a day, you are very blessed. You know why? Because there are many Filipinos who don't have sure meals for the next day. And some of them have to eat pagpag. You know what pagpag is? You know, pagpag is uh, when uh, restaurants, even houses, throw their uh, leftovers, they're put in the garbage, and then they're thrown somewhere else in the garbage dump. Then those who are, you know, garbage collectors there, when they see food, they just heat them up, and they eat them. And they eat them every day. That's called pagpag. If you are sleeping in your house, whether it's rented or owned, you are more blessed because there are many Filipinos who are living under bridges, holes in cemeteries, tricycle, and uh, last Friday in that ABS-CBN interview, there is a couple who are, there's a family who are staying, living inside a styrofoam. So when there is a flood, their styrofoam house will float. <laughs> but the wife said, you know, he's, oh, she is always dizzy because every time the water is moved, you know, she gets uh, dizzy. And if you have no debt, in fact, you even have some savings, you are more blessed because there are people who are just working to pay off their debts. If you are healthy, no maintenance medicines, then you are blessed. Why? There are wealthy people, but they are not healthy. Can you imagine if you can eat in Vikings or eat all you can? You're enjoying it. But there are people who can afford to eat in Viking every day, but they cannot eat there. They die. If you have friends who are with you and who are for you, you are more blessed. You are happier. We are richer. Why? There are many famous people in the world who have no friends. They are lonely. One thing I have learned is not many rich people are bad. Many of them are good people. And why are they wealthy? Proverbs 10 says, Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. You know, while many people are just watching TV and relaxing every day from, man, from morning to night, <laughs> there are people who are really working hard. And after some time, their hard work pays off. In the Bible, there are many godly rich people. Let me just enumerate some of them. Job, Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, Boaz, David, Solomon, Daniel, Nehemiah, and Zacchaeus. They were rich people, but they were godly. And I like this uh, short story. There was a rich person named Joseph of Arimathea. And after Jesus was crucified, he went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted him permission. And you read in Matthew 27, 59, Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean linen cloth, 
and he laid the body of Jesus in his own new tomb. What would have happened to Jesus if there was no rich man like Joseph of Arimathea? What will happen to his body? It will be dumped in a common grave like those who were being crucified during the Roman time. So today, we will focus on the rich. And the Lord has charges, accusations, and then there will be invitation later on. So what are the basic charges of the Lord against the rich? In James 5, verse 2, James wrote, Your riches have rotted, your garments have become moth-eaten, your gold and your silver have rusted. I put as asterisk there because some rich people will react there and they will say, well, maybe they are rusting because they are fake. My gold and my silver are uh, authentic, so they do not rust. But no, James was referring to the fact that our wealth, when they are not used for God's intended purpose, will even testify against us. So there are two basic problems with wealth. One is how you get them. And the second is once you have them, what do you do with them? And James said, their rust will witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. Proverbs 11:4 says, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. You know, when the wrath of God comes one day, no matter how rich you are, if you can pay politicians, if you can pay judges, if you can pay policemen, your riches cannot pay God. But when you are righteous, when you have right relationship with God, you will be delivered. Proverbs 11:28, who He who trusts in riches will fall but the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. Again, Proverbs 27, 24 says, riches are not forever, although in some advertisement it says, diamonds are forever. Nor does a crown endure to all generations. You know, when you're a king, when you're a president, sometimes you have the feeling that you will be there forever. But the Marcoses cannot be there forever. The Makapagals cannot be there forever. The Aquinos cannot be there forever. Even the Dutertes, they want to stay longer, but they cannot be there forever. So our riches in life can be used by God even to testify against us. Why? What's wrong with riches? Well, in James 5, verse 4, James said, Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you. And the outcry of those who are harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You know, some people are rich at the expense of others. How, how, how much is now the minimum wage in Metro Manila? 500, 514. But there are still people in Metro Manila who are getting 250 and 300. And sometimes they have no SSS, no governmental benefits. While some lobbyists are crying for the end of contract to be finished, there are still people who are being taken advantage by rich people. Can you imagine the feeling of the workers, say, if you are in a factory and you are working there for the past 10 years and then you see the owner of the factory, when you were starting, he's just driving Toyota Corolla. After some time, now he's driving uh, Honda. And after some time, now he's driving a Volvo. And later on, is driving Porsche. 
but the salaries of the factory workers have hardly increased. How would you feel if you are one of those workers? You know, it's hard for many rich people to share their income to their workers who are giving them those income. In Proverbs 3.27, it says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, especially when you have the power to do it. You know, I remember last, the previous recent years, can you imagine they have raised the salaries of the president, the judges, the, you know, the congressmen, the senators, and recently, the most recent, they have increased the salaries of the policemen, the military people. Why? The tendency is to be self-serving. But it's so hard to increase the salary of the common workers. Of course, I understand that even if you increase the salaries of all the congressmen and senators, if you will increase the salaries of all the government officials, you know, it, this will be still big. But most of our congressmen and senators are already rich. They are millionaires. And they are not only rich because of their salaries. They are rich because of the benefits they have, because of their position and the lobbying money that comes to them because they are lawmakers, policy makers. You know, we have some American friends here. Five hundred, five hundred pesos is ten dollars. And that's the salary for eight hours. Ten dollars. But the price of McDonald's in the U.S. in here is almost the same. The price of Levi's jeans is almost the same. So really, many people will have a hard time not buying clothes and garments, but even for their subsistence. So there will really be many poor. And if we are Christians, and we are in a position whereby we can afford or we can recommend people to be given what is due them, we will be sinning against God if we are not doing anything about it. Proverbs 28.20 says, The trustworthy person will get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will always get into trouble. But many Filipinos now are tempted to have quick bucks. Even at the expense of millions of our people, especially the young people. Can you imagine one ton of shabu? How many drug addicts will be affected by that amount of illegal substance? Yet people keep on sending, pushing illegal drugs. The third charge against the rich is related to the two. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your heart in the day of slaughter. And not contented with that, you have condemned and put to death the righteous man and he does not resist you. You know, I had experience to work with an agricultural setting. And nowadays, the tendency of the government is to support more import than to support our agricultural sectors. Why is that? Are the imported rice cheaper 
than our produced rice? Of course not. They're still expensive. But when they import rice, those who are in charge with importing have commissions. So the poor farmers are not being helped to increase their production and to produce. So what happens to the farmers? They tend to sell their properties. You know, I still remember, I still remember the price of one hectare in Laguna, Batangas, Cadite. How much is the price of one hectare? 50,000 pesos. 50,000 pesos. That's $1,000. One hectare. But these lawmakers know the areas that will be developed by the government in the next five to ten years. So you know what they do and their relatives? They buy a lot of lands that are agricultural in Visayas, in the provinces. And the formerly 50,000 pesos per hectare is now costing 50,000 pesos per square meter because they, the investors lay down new streets and promises new facilities like electricity and water. So the poor farmer who have that property before, after selling 50,000, where will the 50,000 pesos go? Far? No. He cannot even afford to rent a property. So indeed, the rich people get richer and the poorer people will become poorer. In James chapter 2, verse 6, when we were starting with the series, James wrote, You have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? So the tendency of the rich people is not only to exploit the poor. At their expense, they live luxuriously. But when they really are become, when they become truly rich and truly powerful, they even blaspheme, not just the poor, but even God himself. Let me just read to you this psalm. <clears throat> the psalmist said, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. That's a faith declaration. But he had a crisis. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps almost slipped. For I was envious. Can you imagine? He was a choir director, but he was envious of who? The arrogant. As I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There are no pains in their death. Their body is fat. Buti na lang, bumaba na yung timbang ko. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. And as a result of that, what happens? Pride is their necklace. And garment of violence covers them. They can put a price in the lives of people. When they don't like certain people or the certain people are threatening their business, they can kill them. If you are an important person, you are priced 100,000 pesos. If you are medio middle middle, 50,000. Kung ordinaryo ka lang, 5,000. Their eye bulges from fatness. The imaginations of their heart run riot. They mock, they wickedly speak of oppression. They speak as if they are gods. And they have set their mouth even against the heavens. Their tongue parades through the earth. Therefore his people return to his place. And waters of abundance are drunk by them. So pag ang presidente natin nagmumura o nagsasalita ng bagay na hindi karapat-dapat, tumatawa yung mga tao. Bakit sila tumatawa? Kasi ayaw nila ma-offend ang ating Pangulo. They are drinking waters of abundance also from Him. And look at their language. How does God know? Is their knowledge with the Most High? How do you paraphrase that? 
That's what our president said. God is stupid. But the irony is, behold, these are the, the wicked. They can have their cake and eat it too. They are always at ease. They have increased in wealth. So sana, yung mga nakarinig sa atin, yung sinabi ni Presidente, sana nung oras na nalangin tayo, Panginoon, patawarin mo po siya, hindi niya nalalaman ang kanyang ginagawa o ang kanyang sinasabi. So after James described the problem with the rich people, he now calls them. But amazingly, the imperatives are not religious. Kasi you are expecting, come now, repent, come now, pray, come now, go back to God. No, that's not what James said. James said to these rich people, come now, you rich, weep and howl. Why? Your miseries are coming upon you. You know, the Greek word for weep means weep aloud. It's an audible weep. So in Tagalog, it's tumatangis. Iba kasi yung umiiyak, yung umiiyak, humihikbe, it's like controlled weeping. But this one, to weep means uh, to cry aloud. What about howl? Well, it is, it is a related word. It means to bewail. In Tagalog, humagulgol. You know, it's like when somebody is being brought to the grave, the relatives are hindi lang nananangis, sila'y humahagulgol. And why was James calling them to weep and to howl? Because of the miseries which are coming upon them. So what are these miseries that James is telling the rich to Weep aloud. The first, dissatisfaction. In Ecclesiastes 5.10, the wise man wrote, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, or he who loves abundance with its income. You know, many people have this notion that the more money they have, the more happiness they will experience. That's at the back of the minds of people. So if I have now millions and I have billions, I will be much happier. And if I have trillions, I will be much happier. That's a fallacy. You go to Vikings. Vikings is an eat-all-you-can restaurant. Okay? You eat whatever you like in 30 minutes. Huh? So you're happy. Will eating, another ter- will eating for another 30 minutes make you happier? Will eating for another one hour make you happier? No. Of course not. Oh, let's go to the simpler one. Sleeping. If after sleeping 10 hours, nagising ka, you just wake up to eat and then you take sleeping pills again. Okay? Will that make you happier? And then you sleep again for another 10 hours? But many people continue to have that mentality that if you will have more money, you will be happier. There is a concept called optimum. That when you reach that level, no amount of other input will increase your satisfaction. Solomon thought, if you have more women in your lives, you will be much happier. So, talaga namang with gusto, ha? Not 10, not 20. How many? Ay, kulang. 700 wives plus 300 concubines. 
Kaya medyo nabaliw na nung bandang huli eh. He got crazy. Because the 700 people are princesses. They are daughters of the kings. So mga maldita to. So can you imagine? Of course, one guy said, Pastor, you are naive. It's not the 700 wives who will give Solomon the headache. It's the 700 mother-in-laws. So many people who are trying to accumulate, 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 will, if they will be honest, they will only be happy for a short period of time, and that's it. You want another. You know, I'm reading uh, medical findings about satisfaction. And really, when you buy something you like, there is really something that is triggered in your brain that gives you a sense of satisfaction. I think dopamine, something like that. And if you assume the more you have it, the happier you become, you know, that's the same as taking drugs. The more you take drugs, the more you feel good. Really? Have you seen yourself at a mirror? You know, when I talked to a pastor who got into drugs, I said, when will, you, when will you stop? And then the guy said to me, I'm okay. I said, when was the last time you looked at a mirror? You're a walking dead. Look at yourself. No, I'm okay. And after some time, I said to him, you will lose your wife and your children if you don't stop. So people who want to accumulate, whether it is wealth, whether it is fame, whether it is drugs. You know, the reason why you are clamoring for more is because the more you fill up something, the bigger the empty space becomes. It's like drinking salty water. The more you drink salty water, the more you feel thirstier. But here is the irony. Look at the contrast. The sleep of the working man is pleasant whether he eats little or much. But the full stomach of the rich man does not allow him to sleep. It always fascinates me when I drive and I pass by, you know, uh, construction site. Even if it's public, when it is 12 to 1, the laborers will eat fast and they just, you know, take cardboards and they sleep practically on the streets. But some of us are already in our air-conditioned room with soap pillows and with uh, everything we've got and we still cannot sleep. So, riches have limitation. After the optimum level, that's it. The second problem with riches, according to the writer, is this is grievous evil I have seen under the sun. Riches being hoarded by their own honor to his hurt. When you are accumulating riches, you have two problems. What do I do with it? And what do I do to protect it? You know, we have, we have a church member before, and he has to wake up quite early. So why do you have to wake up early? Because I have to watch the monitor in the screen. Because there was a time the, the stock exchange data is being featured there. Bucket. Because he retired, and he's using the retirement money to, to invest. So every day, his siblings and him are all in the investment. So they are watching the progress in the stock exchange in the morning, once in the morning, and then in the afternoon. Why? They are protecting their money. They want their money to grow. Look at the next statement. When those riches were lost through a bad investment, and he had fathered the son, 
then there was nothing to support him. This is the irony. You are working so hard early in the morning, working so hard until late in the evening. And then you have a son. He is also tired because he is using your money early morning to late evening. But he's not working. Tamadi. Worse, you are working all day long and then somebody in your family is spending that money gambling all day long. So, you really have to use the money, not money to use you. And you end up having no support. Paul wrote, the love of money is root of all sorts of evil. By the way, it is not money. It is the love of money. And some, by longing for money, have wandered away from the faith. You know, when you're a businessman, when you are working, especially in a marketing-oriented company, you really have to decide daily whether you will work for money or you will make money work for you. Some, because of the love of money, pierce themselves with many griefs. I was having a Bible study and one lady told me, Pastor, I miss those days that my husband is just an ordinary employee. I said, why? He comes home early. Oh, nowadays, sa Tagalog kasi mas magandi. So, buti pa noon, maaga siyang umuwi. Eh ngayon, maaga na siyang umuwi. Umaga na siyang umuwi. <laughs> Why? He has a lot of money to spend. He can go night clubbing left and right, having, you know, pleasures left and right, whereas the wife is miserable. But the final misery of the rich who have no consideration for God and for people is what will happen in the future. Now, there was a rich man in Luke chapter 16, and he habitually dressed like a king. That's the meaning of dressing in purple and fine linen, like a king. And he is joyously living in splendor. How often? Daily. Well, some of us are dressing well, maybe once a week, twice a week, but this person lived, dressed daily, like a, uh, you know, like a celebrity. And then a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from his table. And because nothing is falling from his table, the dogs were coming and licking Lazarus' sores. Now the poor man died. And what happened? The poor man was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. By the way, when we die, when we are believers, our body is left, but our souls, our spirits, go to paradise. The rich man also died. The rich man also died. And he was buried. But that is not the ending of the story. It says, in Hades, the rich man lifted up his eyes, being in, being in torment. And he saw from a distance Abraham and Lazarus. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue. For I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember during your life, you received your good things, likewise Lazarus' bad things, and you did not share to him your good things. By the way, that's the implication. You received good things, Lazarus' bad things, and you did not share to him the good things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony in torment, in flame, in agony. You know, many people don't want to believe there is hell. But whether you believe it or not will not matter. 
One day you will just discover it. And then Abraham said, besides, between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able and that none may cross over from there to us. You know, 70% of Filipinos still believe that after you die, you can still transfer from one eternal place to the other. But we know that is not true. As long as you're alive, you have the opportunity to have a different eternal destiny. But once you die, your eternity is fixed. And no amount of prayer here on earth, no amount of good deeds your family will do, will ever move you out of where you are. If you have Jesus, John 3.36, you have eternal life. But if you don't have Jesus with you, you have eternal wrath, punishment. You know, if people will just believe that, then they will align themselves with God. But because they believe that their eternal destinies can change even if they're dead, their lifestyle and the way they live here on earth is not being taken seriously. You know, when you don't have cancer, you just live the way you want. But once you are diagnosed with cancer, what happens? Once the reality sets in that you really have cancer, what do you do? You change your lifestyle. You go, for, you go and seek help because you know you have cancer. But nowadays, people are not convinced there is hell and that they will go to hell. So that's what the enemy, Satan, is trying to do. Not to let people believe that there is eternal destiny awaiting those who will die. So let's summarize our message today. The Lord's charges to the rich. One day, the riches will testify against them. Number two, the exact uh, charge because they are withholding what is due to people working for them or with them. Three, they live luxuriously at the expense of and neglecting the needy. So the Lord's call to them, come, weep and how? Well, in the Old Testament language, the equivalent of that is Isaiah 118. That God is saying to the rich, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Meaning, God is still inviting the rich to come over to his side. But pastor, I'm too terrible. I don't think God will ever accept me anymore. Well, I'd just like to show you a sample. This guy is the worst king in Israel. There are 19 kings in the northern kingdom. He is the worst. In the south, there are 20 kings. The worst was Manasseh. Okay? But both Ahab and Manasseh turned around. Surely there was no one like King Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. And why was he terribly evil? Why? Because of the wife. So guys who are still single here, or parents who have children who are young, start to pray already for your children that they will be spared from partners who will influence them towards evil. So what's the result? He acted very abominably. So Elijah came to him and prophesied what will happen to him because of his wickedness. When he heard Elijah prophesied, he tore his clothes. He put on sackcloth. He fasted, lay on sackcloth, and went about 
despondently. Then the word of the Lord came back to Elijah. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days. But I will bring the evil upon his, day, upon his house in his son's days. So pastor, the sin of the father is being laid upon the children. Well, no, because God knows the children will also be wicked. But the point I like to drive out is, no matter how sinful we are, when we humble ourselves before God and come to him, he will respond in forgiveness. So let me just encourage all of us. The invitation of the gospel is riches and honor are possible. But they come from God. You know, what are riches if there is no honor with them? Would you like to be an Apollos today? Would you like to be an Alvarez today? They are rich, but no honor. But riches and honor are with God. God can give it to you. And when, they give, when God gives, it will be enduring wealth. It's not just short-lived. You know, those guys I mentioned in the Old Testament, Job, Abraham, Isaac, you know, they died rich. But many rich people who have pursued wealth at the expense of relationship die poor. Furthermore, the wise man said, every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, he empowered them to eat from them and rejoice in his labor. Because it's possible you have riches. It's possible you have honor because of your parents. But you are not enjoying them. But when it is given by God to you, it will last long and you will enjoy it. Look at this statement, Proverbs 10.22. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it, without any sorrows. Isn't it wonderful to be rich and there are no sorrows to your riches? So how can we be rich and righteous at the same time? Because in the Philippines, it seems it is impossible to put the two together. Either you are righteous or you are rich. And many people say, I just like to be righteous. Well, it's possible to be righteous and rich. Proverbs 22, the reward of humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. So ngayon pa lang, with what we have, let's practice contentment. But pastor, how can you be contented when you have so much needs? Okay, look at verse 8 of 1 Timothy 6. If we have food and clothing, with this we shall be content. Yung iba nga sa atin, sobrang food eh. Yung iba sa atin, we have difficulty choosing clothes to wear. Kasi ang dami. Pati nga sapatos, ang dami. Hindi mo malakot, susuot mo ngayong araw. But the point is, begin to be content with what you have now. So when God is prospering you and blessing you, you continue to be contented and happy. There are people when they are single, they are miserable. When they get married, they are miserable. When they have no children, they are miserable. When they have children, they are miserable. Wouldn't it be great that when you're still single, you are contented and happy, and then you get married, you're contented and happy. When you have no child yet, you're contented and happy. When you have children, you're contented and happy. Because many times we depend our happiness on what we hope to have. Our happiness should depend on our relationship with God. One song said, happiness is to know 
the Savior living a life within His favor. If we have not discovered that, we will never be truly happy. You want to be righteous and rich? Instruct those who are rich in this present world to avoid two things. One, arrogance. And second, trusting on the riches rather than on God. Because if you put your trust in God, what happens? This God is able to richly supply us with, with all things to enjoy. God wants us to enjoy. God is not a stingy God. God is not a KJ God. He wants to supply us with all things we need to enjoy. Kaya lang, the problem is our eyes are set on something or someone else. When you are rich, okay, look at verse 18. Instruct the rich to do good, to be rich in good works. And when they do good works, to be generous, to be ready to share. Because once they do, they will be storing up treasure, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Can you imagine if you are rich, you can enjoy life in this world and you can be rewarded and enjoy life in the world to come. If you are just rich in this world, but your soul is empty and you have no investment in the other life, you are not really rich. If there is a poor man among your brothers, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Be open-handed and freely lend whatever he needs. I command you to be open-handed toward the poor and your needy in your hand. They may not be able to repay you, but God knows how to repay you. Look at the purpose of riches. Not only money, but gifts, opportunities, and talents. God is able to bless you abundantly. For what purpose? So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You know, paradoxically, ironically, it's the secular world that has learned this. Do you know that big multinational companies now have programs which they call social responsibilities? Of course, they may have other reasons why they're doing it. But the point is, they see that it is profitable, okay, more profitable in the long run to help the poor. Again, as I'm saying, they may have other reasons. And how much more we are who are children of God. God is able to provide us all things we need at all times so that we will be able to bless others. You know, we have a blessing now in Breadcom. We are experiencing one church helping community and now we are starting to reap in terms of people, in terms of young people, the results of what we are investing. And there are many other people around here who are needy. They may not be needy of food, but they are, may be needing attention. They may be depressed. They may be angry. They may be fearful. Hindi lang naman pera. Hindi lang naman pagkain ng kailangan ng tao. So we are God's instruments to meet those needs. Let me just pass. So I like to end this sermon by giving good news for all of us, whether we are rich, middle class, or even poor. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, by the way, when was Jesus rich? When was he rich? Did Paul make a mistake? When was he rich? Well, before he 
incarnated and become human being, he owns all that there was. Through him, by him, all things were created. The earth and the Lord, the earth and all the things that are on earth belongs to him. But he set them all aside. For your sake, for my sake, Jesus became poor so that by his poverty was the result. We might become rich. So do not say this cursing statement. My parents were born poor. I was born poor. I will die poor. If that's the way you think, then you have poverty mentality. And you may end up really dying poor. The reason why Christ came, why he became a human being, suffered, is so that we may be taken out of our entire poverty, spiritually, emotionally, you know, and in other areas. If anyone is in Christ, he is a... How can you say you will end up dying poor? Paul wrote, But God being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places. You have a representative there in the heavenly places and all the riches of heaven are available to you, available to the church, available to us. That's why the Apostle Paul even said, I am preaching to you the unfathomable riches of Christ. Our riches are not only in financial area, our riches are in many areas. And what are they? Number one, relationships. Can you imagine if you are loved not only by God, you are loved by your family, you are loved by your, you know, your friends, you are loved by your office mates. You know, that's one, riches. Number two, uh, John said, I pray you may prosper in all things, in your career, in your studies, in whatever you are doing. You know, it's riches. Number three, be in be in health. You are, you know, physically fit. And then just as your soul prospers. By the way, to summarize that in one word is shalom. Peace. So when we are connected with this Jesus who came down from heaven, became man, suffered and died, the purpose is for us to experience shalom, for us to experience total well-being. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally. Pero pastor, I still have need that is not included in those lists. Well, let me end with this verse. Paul wrote, My God will meet, will meet all your needs. How? How? According to the riches of his glory, which are in Christ Jesus. So if you still feel you are poor, you still feel you are wanting with so many, why don't you come to Jesus and allow Jesus not only to fill up your lives, but to make your life overflow? Jesus said in John 15 verse 11, these things I speak to you so that you might have my joy in you and that your joy will overflow. But I don't like to end there. Now that we heard about it, the gospel, can we begin to think of people around us whom we can share that gospel so that they too will experience the shalom? Let us pray. Our God, thank you that you know each one of us very well. You know our DNA. You have seen us 
while we are being formed in our mother's womb. You know exactly our longings. You know exactly our fears. You know exactly our struggles nowadays. Lord, thank you for that wonderful good news that reaches not only money, but reaches in all areas of our lives are not in our work, are not in our achievements, but they are in you. So Lord, let us begin to fix our eyes on you and to align our lives in accordance to your agenda and discover that you have stored up for us blessings and riches more than what we can imagine. Lord, if there is any person here who still feels she or he is poor, I pray, Lord, that when he calls your name, Jesus, you will manifest your unfathomable riches to that person and enable that person to discover that the satisfaction of his life is in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.